Hello and welcome to the Oncast. My name is Dom. As one half of the Oncast, I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello, hello, Dom. Hello there. Hello. It's funny you should say hello when you mean. My friends call me James Bond. You don't have any friends, do you? No. No. <laughs> no one calls me James Bond. Everyone just calls me James. Why would you call someone by their full name? Like that's not something friends do. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In this episode, as you can probably tell, we are talking about. The Pierce Brosnan James Bond James series. Bond series yeah, Golden James. Eye, Tomorrow Never Dies, Tomorrow The World Is Not Enough. The World Is Not Enough. And Die Another Day. I die Another Day. It's true. You are. You die Another Day. Is that your best Brosnan? That's just how he sounds constantly. <laughs> just on the way out. I don't know. I think he's, he he does that that grumbly old man thing very much in the, in the one we just watched, Die Another yeah. Day. You can tell he just doesn't want to be there for a lot bit. of it. A little bit, yeah. Um... But, you can specifically tell that in the kite surfing scene. Yeah, he's he's embarrassed, and he should be. Um, but we're jumping right ahead to the end, which we shouldn't do because we're gonna we are gonna go through and talk about these yeah. four Bond movies. Start at the top. Um, so yeah, we're obviously No Time to Die is due to be out in about two weeks' time, allegedly. Allegedly. Now I've paid for tickets. Yes, exactly. So we we are on. This is the on the basis of that is still going to be the case, and we're all very you know cautious about it because of the amount of times that film's been delayed we have started our grand rewatch of the bond series <laughs> we haven't gone back all the way back to the beginning i did do that last year and i yeah. started and stopped a couple of times because of the because of the delays and stuff um and i did all the sean connery movies and all that that is not something we're going to be able to tackle in the in the time span that we've got maybe one day maybe when maybe. they maybe when they do the inevitable recast post daniel craig that'll be a good time to go back yeah. and do the classic bonds but for now what we're going to do is talk about the modern era of bond really and that yes. is going to be the pierce brosnan movies and the daniel craig movies um so it's the bonds of our lifetime really um, so yeah i've been around a little bit longer yeah but when did License to Kill come out? Eighty nine, I think. Yeah, so just just under the under the edge of that, then, isn't it? Yeah. So I re- so I remember eighty nine. Yeah, nineteen eighty nine. License to Kill. Yeah. So I I remember vividly um, watching James Bond pretty much a a James Bond film pretty much every week. Yeah. When I was a kid, because yeah. they just used to be on Saturdays. They are still to this day. This Saturday, oh no, it was this Sunday. I was mm. still, there was a flicking around trying to find something on the telly, and Honor Majesty's Secret Service was on ITV. Yeah, it's just it's a standard thing now. If you go on ITV on which is Channel Three in the UK, UK. terrestrial television, there is always a Bond movie on on Sunday, yeah. regardless of what time and of that's year what it is. Yeah. That's what it was like pre-cable, pre, you know, when there were four channels. Yeah. Uh, on a Saturday afternoon, ITV in the UK used to almost always have a James Bond film on. Yeah. And that's what I grew up with, just watching James Bond films all the time. So, yeah. But they were all like mixed up. So some Saturdays I wouldn't see it. So some days I'd watch a George, I'd watch George Lazenby and some days it'd be Roger Moore and some days it'd be Sean Connery. And... Yeah. But seeing... 
GoldenEye was the first time that I was like, right, this is my... So yeah. this was equivalent to a reboot to me at the time. Yeah, I think the GoldenEye is the one for like for our generation as well because I think it got you one of two ways. Either you went and saw the movie because you were old enough or the game. Yeah, it was all about the N sixty four game. So even yeah. when I like, I don't think I'd even seen the film. Like I knew that game intimately, and it was lots of like multiplayer games of of Goldeneye and the music and the sound and all that stuff. You knew Goldeneye. I had so Goldeneye was, um, my so I got the N sixty four the year that it came out. I got mm. an N sixty four for Christmas, and I got Goldeneye with it. Yeah, and I was. 10 yeah that was it like done exactly done for like my my best friend at the time ed he got super mario yeah i got golden eye and it was like generation defining games absolutely yeah and Um, then yeah we just sort of smashed through on it and it was you know, we'd go and find the magazines and we'd learn stuff about it before we'd even seen the film. We'd played the game. Exactly. Um, And that's how they got us. That's how they, they, a whole new generation of Bond fans was really instigated into it because of that game. Um, But then not only that, when you did get around to seeing the movie and going back and revisiting GoldenEye as well, it is a banger. GoldenEye is so good. Fucking slaps. It's still like, I think what's interesting to going back to it now is that it does feel really, like weirdly dated. I think a lot of it is to do with the score and things yeah. like that. It's all very like synthy, and it feels like an eighties movie, even though it came out in ninety five. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like a lot of the stuff that happens in it, the dress sense, everything else in it, is very eighties. Yeah, but the, well, that's what's weird about it is because there's only a two year gap between that and Tomorrow Never Dies. But Tomorrow Never yeah. Dies feels like a much more modern movie. Yeah, which is really odd. Um, but yeah, Golden Eye. It just when you think about these these four films as a whole. Like I feel like Goldeneye, they kind of could never quite capture, get anything quite as good again, because mm. there there are moments in all the others, and we'll talk about them. But like for me, when you think about all the things you rank, like what's got the best villains, Goldeneye, yeah, it's Alex Trevelyan, the, the evil 007, yeah. played by brilliantly by Sean Bean, yeah. and you've got um, Zenya on the top, and you've got Boris, and you've got like the classic Bond villain in the um, the Russian uh, general bloke, yeah. or- Orumov, Pushkin. whatever. Yeah, so between them all, you're covering all the bases. You've got the Femme Fatale, you've got the, the sort of yeah. the, the nerdy bloke, you've got their anti You've got the Ferrari, you've got the DB5. You've exactly. Got the, you've got M first turns yeah. up. Ju- Judy Dench is M. You've got, and it's like, the, the plot is over the top and ridiculous, but not too far. It's like, it's just the right yeah. side of far-fetched, I think. I think yeah. in all of them, apart from the most the latest one, Dying of a Day, which we'll talk about in a minute, there's always one thing that's over the top. And it yeah. gets away with it. It's like there's there's one ridiculous. There's thing. like a Bondism yeah. within it because like when you talk about structurally about Bond, you always sort of see that there's the, uh, there's the villain with like the the deformity or the, yeah. the something different about them. Yeah. So like Doctor No had metal hands yeah. and like jaws and yeah. odd job and all these different like, uh like deformed villains as they were sort of known at the yeah. time or like they had this sort of non-conformity about them and Goldeneye fits perfectly with that yeah yeah but and they the kind time... of tried to do a similar thing with um the world is not enough yeah but we'll get to that in a bit yeah but, but that's why I like about what what's good about Goldeneye is that it's like it has that that element of self-awareness which they then come they circle all the way back around to it when they yeah. get to things like Skyfall 
but it's like I like the idea of all um, like Alex Trevelyan is the perfect villain mm. for that because he just he knows everything that he's going to do beforehand. Yeah. So like, I know all the tricks. I know like you're probably oh this is, your watch has probably got like a laser in it, hasn't it? It's like yeah, it has shit. Like he caught me like yeah. that, all that kind of stuff. That deconstruction of it. Yeah. Um, which is exactly what it needed. It's like it was the first kind of postmodern Bond that was self-aware yeah. in a way. And it worked. Yeah. And that's where that that's the thing that it's defines these for me is as as being so successful is because they they subvert the expectations that you would expect from a normal James Bond or a normal James Bond film. Yeah. But then they still do the same thing, but they do it with like a wink. Yeah. Whereas that's part of the problem that I started to have with like the, the Craig era. Yeah. Is that they're they so it's they do a similar thing but they do it with an eye roll instead. Yeah. It's like yeah and then like Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, I got have you got a magnetic watch? Yeah. And it's like in this he's like, Yeah, he does, but it's a detonator. Yeah. And like and he's got a cool phone. Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. Um yeah, fucking Goldeneye. I mean, what else to say about But yeah. But that's the thing, like so like Goldeneye's plot is quite interesting as well because it's it's fairly it's not like a world domination thing. No, and that's what's interesting about it is that it's it's, it's got this it's all a heist. This, yeah, it's a heist, but it's got all this this subtext and and stuff behind it around the Cold War, the end of the Cold mm. War, and the idea of that of you know alliances being changed and and you know everything that you like. I love that that line from Alec where he talks about, "Oh, sorry, old boy, everything you fought for has changed. Mm. All the good guys are are my are allies now, and all the rest of it." And it's like that was one of their big challenges post with. Um, going from Dalton into Pierce yeah. and they were like, how can we make Bond still relevant post-Cold War? Yeah. He's always been a cult, you know, the Russians are the bad guys and that the espionage and all that kind of stuff. That's what it's always been about. It's always tapped into that one way or another, even yeah. though obviously there are movies where it's all set in South America or whatever. There's a, That's the era that it's set in. So how do we do it in a, now the Berlin Wall's come down, how can yeah. we make this work? But also, but when they you really still... leaned into it. They didn't like yeah. shy away from it in that first movie. It was all about like Russian, like greed, like that. It was like the Russians are that, and now they're all about greed, and now they're here to try yeah. and steal the West money. It's like an technology. economic, it's like a political economical game. Yeah, rather it's economic than... terrorism. Yeah, but almost. Also, there's a personal like revenge motive behind it as well. Yeah, um, with Alex backstory that they get into, mm. um, and yeah, that that's the one of the best things about Golden Eye is that it's just Alex brilliant and that. That dark reflection of Bond, yeah, which is something they've done, they've tried to do over and over again across the movies. Even going back as far as you know, from Russia with Love, they had the guy um, Robert Shaw, yeah. who came after Shaw, yes. and the idea was that he was like the Russian Bond. Yeah. So even going back right back to the you know the sixties, they've always tried to do the whole Bond's opposite number. Yeah. But I genuinely think that Alex Rellian and Sean Bean is the best they've ever done it. He is because he's got he's got the chemistry, he's got the character, he's got the physicality. Yeah. The fact that both of them play so well to work together, there's yeah. an establishment of who they are yeah. and, and how they work together. The, um, oh, mate, the opening sequence to Goldeneye is so good with the two of them working together. Buy me a pint. Buy me a pint. I tell you what it is. There's this one moment in it when it's like you say the way they work together and it's all like seamless. It's the idea that right, the alarm goes off and they just switch into a different mode. Yeah. And there's that moment where Alec kills the two guys, runs up and gets their guns. They're they're yeah. like Kalashnikovs. And there's just, just this moment where he throws one over to James and he mm. just grabs it from midair and then carries on doing what he's doing. Yeah. As he's going to set the detonators and it's this like split second shot, but it just shows you so much about how like they're in sync. 
And we've never seen Bond do that before. We've no. never seen him working with anyone like that. He's a lone man. So this idea that... What's... Is there one of the Dalton ones? Yes, there is that. There's, with there's, the opening yeah. with double O agents. Yes, yeah, so that's... Um, but they all get like mincemeat, don't they? That's the Living Daylights. So the yeah. Living Daylights, they are... Tra- I know Bond too much, man. No, no, no. The no, Living Daylights. This I, is good. Because I love you Bond. Love I fucking Bond. love Bond. I really like, this do. is a thing that we've not really touched on before. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not treading on it too much, but Dom loves I Bond. I fucking love Bond. I genuinely go back to it now. I'm starting to like... I'm, I really start debating with myself like... I might, it might be up there as one of my favourite franchises. It's like it's Marvel, Star Wars, and Bond, and I can they're kind of interchangeable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've yeah, I've always thought that because yeah. I've always sort of thought because you you have always been like the Bond guy. Yeah. Like, because I know that you came into Marvel with the films. Yeah. And then, but like as far as I've always known, like. Like the fact that you love like Stormbreaker and stuff has all been through like Bond yeah, and stuff true. as well. Yeah, all the Alex Rider stuff all was a spin off of Bond. I've read yeah. all the books, the like, Ian Fleming books. Yeah. I've yeah, and it's yeah, yeah. Like I'm, how Bourne is like a different version of Bond. And how it influences it. And how it influences stuff, yeah. And yeah, so that's like always been a thing to me is that like you're the Bond guy. Like <laughs> Um But yeah, to that point, it's the two of you dealt with so yeah, it's Living Daylights and there's a mo- they're doing a training exercise in Gibraltar. Yeah. And then it it turns on them and you see some of the double O's get killed. And yeah. like that's the thing with the double with the other double O's, it's not that they haven't been in it before. They they have been in it before. I think it's again it's in fucking hell, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> in Thunderball, there's a bit Dom, I've been talking about like hard deep dives into like really obscure comics. Here, I, know, like. I know, I know, So you this is <laughs> yeah. not anything to like so be ashamed of. In Thunderball, there's this moment where they all, they call in all the double O's. And they're mm. all just sat in a line, and they get their their briefing packets, and like double and you know Sean Connery sat there amongst all the double O's, but they're just these faceless sort of like cardboard cutouts, and they all look re- sort of similar. It's yeah. kind of like if they were put in a lineup, or they were like yeah. casting calls or whatever. But the only time they've ever properly human, or they use it like as a inciting incident, they go, "Oh, I sent double O nine off to kill him," yeah, and then he never came back, yeah. But that's it. That's all you ever hear about another double O. Whereas with Goldeneye, immediately they went right. Here's double O six. It's a two-man job they're working on. They've got a pass together. They call each other by their first names. Yeah. And they establish that so quickly and so well in that opening yeah. scene. And it's fucking brilliant. It's so good. Um, and then the rest of it, like, yeah, they they get the right amount of... they get. It's just the perfect blend of, you know, uh, like I say, subverting it because you've got Alex Trevelyan taking the piss out of it. You've got Judy Dench's M... Like just calling Bond out and the, the sort of infamous line which he calls him a sexist misogynist dinosaur yeah, and all that sort of stuff and it's like mm, shit okay they're aware it's like they are aware of the, the problematic yeah. nature of Bond and they're going to try and address it a little yeah. bit even though it's kind of paying lip service to it yeah <laughs> because like there's the whole money penny thing where he calls him out and says this is sexual harassment and he goes yeah but you love it don't you you slick <laughs> pretty much <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so it's only sexual harassment if you don't want it, darling. Your hair smells lovely. <laughs> like yeah. there are, as, and especially as the Brosnan ones go on, yeah, they become much seedier, much yeah, more uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, like there isn't the lines that you see with him having respect for M and him having a flirtatious relationship with Money Penny become a lot more uncomfortable as you get on and those yeah. lines become a little bit more aggressive yeah 
And you're yeah, like that. It's like especially nowadays, like especially in like a post sort of Me Too world, like it does make it's like a bit uncomfortable to yeah. watch in places because you realise like a spotlight has been shone on this sort of predatory behaviour. Yeah. But again, like not to get too much too far away from Goldeneye, like, but there are parts when you're like, like the Bond woman, Natalia. Yeah. Is you know she's not a complete wailing idiot like no, some of the some of the bond girls have been in the past no, like but that's the thing they they kind of they're trying to have their cake and eat it too a little bit with her because it's just yeah. like oh no she is like a computer scientist and bond needs her because he's not capable of doing the thing that is like do you know how to disarm the satellite fair point i don't I have no idea i wouldn't even know where to yeah. start so yeah you come with me but in that same conversation she then just starts getting off with him for no reason yeah like <laughs> she was just like and that's the other thing they almost they do with that as well is that they literally have alec like force himself on her yeah and it's like that's really uncomfortable and that's kind of showing you like this is again it's the dark bond is like, this yeah. is how bad he could be yeah and he's like oh you'll learn to you'll learn to like maybe me. you'll learn to like me yeah yours oh, tastes like strawberries i wouldn't know i would Son yeah bitch <laughs> and you're like you fucking gross bastard yeah and again but it's like this yeah. like amplified villainous version of the same yeah yeah um, and Boris is brilliant and funny, and yeah, that's Alan. Fucking uh, Alan coming. Alan coming, having a fucking great time. He's brilliant in that. They're right in front of you, and they open very large doors. <laughs> you sit on it, but you cannot take it with you. Oh, he's good. Just everything he's about it. Yeah, he's good. brilliant. Um, fucking Zenya on the top, as played by Fanta Jensen. Ridiculous. Shit, that was this and is like, that was like her film debut, pretty much. It, I think. Yeah, um, and just like very confusing to me as a young boy. I didn't, know, yeah. I didn't know what to make of that. I didn't know what was happening. Yeah, that I left an, it certainly certainly left an impression. Yeah, um, because I think from my point of view, so yeah, I Brosnan was my Bond, um, mm-hmm. and that was my entry point into it, and that's where I then discovered all the backstory behind it. And it was like it was around that time of of Die Another Day when it because Die Another Day came out, it was the 20th movie and the 40th yeah. anniversary so there was all this celebration of Bond and there was loads of extra stuff coming out and there was like box sets and mo- and it was you couldn't escape it it was everywhere yeah, yeah, and that's everywhere. where I got really really into it uh, which is a shame given what that movie was <laughs> but but it meant that, yeah and I just like it then carried on with that because I was obviously getting into sort of film and film history and doing film studies yeah. and stuff and I just love the what I love about it as a franchise and that is something that is unique to it as opposed to the Star Wars and the Marvels and stuff of the world is that is this like this time capsule for yeah. the world and like and what's going on in movies at the time, what's going on in fashion, what's going on politically, everything. Yeah. You can kind of tie into what was the most the Bond movie that came out in the sixties and it's like, right, well that one's all about things that were relevant in the sixties and people yeah. dress like they did in the sixties and the music's like it is in the sixties and yeah. everything about it is this sort of cultural touchstone. Yeah. And even to the point of the character himself, like he become he shifts and changes as the world shifts and changes. Yeah. Like he gets softer in the seventies when he's played by Roger Moore. Yeah. And then he gets darker again in for um Timothy Dalton. Yeah. And they try and balance it and it's yeah, it's I love all that. I love it. I think I brilliant. think it's fucking brilliant. Like yeah. and that's the thing, like I will yeah, because you, you can uniquely go through and you can be like, you know what, I actually feel like watching a fairly dark bond. Yeah. Like but I don't want to watch it too dark. Like, I don't want to watch Spectre or Skyfall. I want to watch, you know, Duran Duran singing about 
<laughs> singing, I, singing about that's, opium planes. That's not one thing. That's the one thing I do struggle with. Um, yeah, I do struggle with some of the uh, Roger Moore films. Yeah. But we'll, oh, we, you've always sort of. Yeah, I do. They're fine, and but they're, they're that sort of. I don't know. They're just a bit too safe. Generally. Yeah. They're just a bit. There's a bit of. Yeah, even with the even with the Sean Connery ones, there was just that people still got fucked up. Like people died. Yeah. People like there was some danger involved. Whereas. Yeah. I feel like Roger Moore was kind of it was the it was the the bond of the A team era where everyone yeah. just rolled out of the car afterwards and they were all right. Yeah, apart from when they got shit. eaten by crocodiles. Yeah, but do you know what I mean? Even that was just like he played it was always a joke. It was always played up yeah. as a joke. Even that but like sometimes like even Sean Connery, like he'd brutally murder someone and then make a joke about it. And yeah. it would just be alright. But he you'd still see the brutal murder. Yeah. R- Roger Moore's would happen off screen. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're getting completely off and topic. And he'd sort of raise his eyebrow and be yeah, like, exactly. mm. Yeah, whereas like, and I don't believe that Roger Moore is that kind of sociopath. <laughs> no. Whereas I do with Sean Connery. When Sean I, Connery believe, yeah. I, I believe that Sean Connery is, as Bond is a very unwell man yeah. who has been traumatised by his life in the war yeah. that's moved into secret service yeah. and is just living out his life killing people and dealing with his horrible PTSD via that. Yeah, outward, outward. Which is exactly what Bond should be. That's why he's yeah. like he's still the the gold standard. Um, but anyway, talking about Brosnan, how does Brosnan fit into that? In terms of, I think, I think his best performance as Bond, or the way he's most closest to what Bond should be, that you know what you just described, mm. is probably Goldeneye, isn't it? Yeah, and maybe a little bit. Well, it's not enough. Yeah. There's quite a lot, I think there's quite a lot of it in the world is not enough. Like for given given how ridiculous that we're gonna jump forward a bit here. But given how ridiculous the plot is in the world is not enough. Yeah. It's actually very, very grounded. Yeah. Like for all the cubo chases and yeah. gadgets and gizmos and remote control car and Yeah, yeah. All of that stuff. The remote control cars. It was still remote control in there. I oh, know it is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it is. And then like the Z, the Z8, and then for all the remote control cars and the caviar things, it's a remarkably grounded story. Yeah, it's contrived as fuck. Yeah, but it's remarkably grounded, and it's probably the darkest we see Brosnan. Oh yeah, big time. And you know, there's that one moment that which we'll come back to, which is one of my favorite, my best moments of him as Bond. Yeah. Um, and it is really dark. Um, but but then that whole thing for me encapsulates Bond. Yeah, and that are, whole bit. Even there. that, even saying that, there are moments in Tomorrow Never Dies where he gets that dark. When yeah. with the German doctor, in particular. Yeah. During that bit where yes, yeah, so it's the German yeah. doctor who's going to torture him and he says, "No, no, no, I'm just a professional doing a job. So am I." <laughs> Fucking yeah. Caps him in the. Fa- Doesn't even blink. Nope. Couldn't give a shit. Like that's that you see it. Like Brosnan could bring that. Yeah. And I feel like that's yeah. what I like about Brosnan. He's cold. Yeah. But like he's got that coldness to it. That's my thing. Where I like, I can never, I can never buy that from, um, like pretty much any of them. But I can never buy it from Roger Moore. Yeah, I never really got it from Dalton so much. I did. Dalton, I always Dalton got it. Fuck I always... You up. Dalton will fuck you up. He sets the guy on fire at the end of Living uh, License <laughs> to Kill. Yeah, and he gives zero fucks. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, I never got it so much from. Like, I imagined that Connery would beat you to death. Mm. Uh, Moore would get you with a gadget yeah uh bros uh dalton would just shoot you yeah like i don't think that he would he would just he'd just shoot you and walk away whereas like brosnan's got like this edge yeah to him like he's got this 
he's got the he's got the full charm. Yeah. That with a hair trigger he goes into kill mode and you're like, Oh yeah. He's a fucking killer. Oh yeah, big time. And the the charm and everything is a front. Yeah. He's a literal psychopath. Yeah, and that's Daniel Craig and does then, that as well. But we'll talk and about then, Daniel Craig later. And then Dalton is just like is I don't know, he's just like a killer. Like he's yeah. his, he's like a he is a spy. Whereas Brosnan's got the like a, there's a there's a fearsomeness to Brosnan. True, yeah. Which he carries, especially like you say in Goldeneye, is like really, really strong in yeah. that. And then again in the world is not enough. Yeah, there's like a quiet moment between him and M, mm. and it just explains pretty much everything. Like we'll get to that in a minute, but we'll say yeah. about so let's so, tomorrow yeah, never dies. Well, before we move on from Goldeneye, best line in Goldeneye. Oh fucking hell! Uh, buy me a pint. <laughs> buy me a pint. Buy me a pint. Um, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm trying. To, I now, don't know, like. I'm really bad at remembering dialogue, firstly. Yeah. But also, like... Oh, there's loads. Of that. I mean, there's there's um, mm. the Q scene where he gets the exploding pen. Yeah. And then that obviously ends with, don't touch that. That's my lunch. That's my lunch. Fucking brilliant. Brilliant line. Perfect. And like, again, they're bringing Desmond Llewellyn, who's this stalwart of the series. Yeah. just comes back no matter who the Bond is, but it's always Desmond Llewellyn, and that's brilliant. Uh, and him and Brosnan have a great like on-screen chemistry. Yeah. They're perfect together. They're so They're good. amazing. Um, and yeah, so you got that. You've got just all the stuff with Alex Trevely and basically all his back and forth. Yeah. Um, Zenya on the top. Um, is the 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 one the line about that again? Like, the, is the cleverness that they brought in with Golden Eyes when he calls her out on the car? Yeah. Says, "Oh, it's got a fake plate." Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's got a fake plate. It's uh, even the counterfeit ones. Mm, okay. And what rank do you hold? It was yeah. What rank do you hold at the DMV or whatever? Because I'm a commander. This one's an admiral. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, like that. There's a clever, like you say. There's a cleverness to it. Whereas, yeah. like, by the time we get to die another day, it's just groaning, juicing. Everyone's the, just the most basic, horrible puns, um, and they don't get there naturally. Whereas with these one, with that, like that exchange in Goldeneye is a perfect example of yeah. how well written that film is. Yeah, like, that's him being witty. Yeah, like, there's actually like there's place for it. That's not. A pun generator. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think, yeah, he's brilliant in Goldeneye. Um, but yeah, then we get into... <sighs> Tomorrow Never Dies. So Tomorrow Never Dies, I've got such a fucking soft spot. I really like Tomorrow I Never Dies. I love Tomorrow There are Never a few Dies. problems that I've got with yeah. it, but I like it for what it is. Oh, actually, one more thing we have to mention from before we move on from Goldeneye, sorry. The tank chase. Tank chase. The tank chase yeah. is iconic. And it is one of the best like action sequences of Bond, and it's yeah. still probably the best action sequence of this whole series of fourth movies, because it feels like there are actual stunts happening, like real cars are getting fucking pancakes, yeah. and it's just it's mental, but it's also it's so Bond. Yeah, the idea that he will stop at nothing, and if he has to get in the tank, he'll get in a fucking tank. He'll get in a fucking tank. And he gets at the moments where he like straightens his tie and shit. Yeah. And yeah, just the, sim- the symbolism of it as well. It's like they were like, "Oh, how do we do a bond after Cold War?" It's like, "I know. Why don't we go to Russia and just tear the shit, tear the place up? Yep. Go to St. Petersburg and just drive a fucking tank, drive through a it. tank through. Let's smash all these communist architectural <laughs> yeah. sort of treasures." And, and it's fucking brilliant. And just, the, the best bit is the bit at the end when he's like sneaking up on the train, yeah, in a, in a tr- tank and trying to be all conspicuous in a tank, and then goes. <laughs> <laughs> Tanks are so loud. Yeah. 
They're tanks. They've got like <laughs> 40,000 horsepower. Also, they're so not like 4,500 horsepower. Yeah. Fucking like two V16 engines in them. Yeah. They're just absolute noisemakers. They're not made for on the, the cobbled streets of St. Petersburg no. either. That's not what they're designed for. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, on, that's right. fucking brilliant. Yeah, so that's, that's the last word we'll say on Goldeneye. Um, but so, like everything that's been said about that movie has been said to death. It's brilliant. Yeah. But Tomorrow Never Dies, I feel like, is a, a forgotten gem almost in terms of Bond movies. It's got problems and it's got stupidness in it. But that's kind of what I love about it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like the limit for me, like this, if if Die Another Day was as silly as Tomorrow Never Dies, yeah, it would have been a better film. Oh yeah, because it's got silliness in there, yeah, but at the same time, it has enough in there that it's like a throwback to like the yeah. the campiness, yeah, but also like seeds in the seriousness a little bit. Yeah, so I think to me, it's like there 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 can be like one majorly over the top thing in any particular so it's usually it's the bad guys either yeah. their layer or their weapon yeah so like in Goldeneye it's the Goldeneye itself but even that yeah. is a satellite which does an EMP yeah it's not that mental. and there's only two of them yeah and it's not it's not that mental really and then in this one it goes a little bit more mental it's a stealth boat yes which defies the laws of physics because when you see it from the outside it's just this big arch shape and then when they go inside it it's this huge cavernous fucking thing with the giant like that doesn't make any sense like but okay no fine. It's TARDIS. Um, yeah, so it's it's the stealth boat is the one silly thing, really, isn't it? And then I think it's also the remote control drill torpedo. And the, yeah, and the drill torpedo. That's what I mean. Which it's why things. not use a fucking? What? Why is that in there? Why is it that specific? Because they wanted to drill into it so they could go in and steal the missile. Right. Well, you could just punch a hole through it to fire a torpedo without a without a warhead. Yeah, but that would just. Uh, it's not as cool as the, <laughs> it's not as cool as the big drill. It thing. means that Elliot Carver doesn't get chewed up by a fucking giant drill. By thing, a giant really cool. drill torpedo yeah. at the end. So yeah, like it's... when I first watched it, I was like, "Well, that makes a lot of sense." Yeah, of course it does. But then, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. Tomorrow Never Dies. It starts off with a great fucking opening as well. We talked about that before. It, we talked about it. It's the fucking white knight. White knight come in. White yes. knight and that whole yeah, sequence. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, fucking and that. Yeah. Again, and I'm going to say this because I said it before we were recording earlier, maintained for me the epitome of how cool Brosnan is as Bond Yeah. when he stood in the cockpit of a MiG wearing a leather jacket doing his full Brosnan pout whilst firing an AK-57 sideways into a fucking car boot sale for terrorists. It's a, it's a terrorist supermarket. Yeah. Over there, you've got, you've got Russian missiles. <laughs> Good God. Those are nuclear, nuclear weapons. There's enough, there's enough plutonium to make Chernobyl look like picnic. <laughs> My God, don't you people know how to lock anything up? <laughs> I love it. It's so like that's the opening sequence, and it's so fucking stupid. Oh, I love it. It's just yeah, it's really like high stakes, really like over the top drama. Mm. It's like they're gonna shoot a missile at it. It's gonna blow up all the nukes. Bond's got to get the yeah. nukes out of there. Um, knocks a bloke out. Filthy habit because Bond doesn't smoke anymore. No, that's the whole thing. That's different thing. Um, but yeah, that, that whole opening sequence is brilliant. And it kind of doesn't have that much to do with the plot, apart from the, the encoder thing, Yeah, is the point of it. Is that Again, that's kind of 
that's kind of the villain's other weapon they have, and that is completely yeah. within the realms of possibility. All it yeah. is is it allows you to hack into satellites. You can go into satellites and you can make something think that is something different from where it actually is. Yeah, the GPS system. They love you the can GPS. shift the GPS. Yeah, it? that's it. It's not too far fetched at all. That makes yeah. perfect sense. And then the plot is the manipulation of the media into. Yeah, now that I feel like they skirted. They did just the very bare minimum of that. Yeah. Um, because the basic plot is that yeah he's. Elliot Carver, this media mogul who's very thinly veiled um, attempt to be... Basic. Well, no, I say that. He's kind of an amalgamation of Rupert Murdoch. Dead Turner. And, well, no, I'd say Rupert Murdoch and Steve Jobs. Yeah. It's because it's got that thing of... Rupert Murdoch, like, operates from the shadows and he sort of does his thing in the background. He doesn't put himself front and centre, whereas Elliot Carver does these big grand spanning speeches and has literal like posters of his face. Yeah. Like he's a, like it's the cult of personality. It's big brother is watching you. Me, 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 yeah. me, me, which is not like, yeah, Murdoch. I mean, it's most, got... most media people watch from the shadows and they're puppet masters. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I mean, it's funny you should mention that because it, it does, um, tomorrow never dies is especially owes a lot to like Orwellian sort yeah. of, yeah, yeah, fiction, definitely. in the way that it has got this like omnipresent, like media controlled, yeah. sort of villain that's just manipulating. Like it's the thought police essentially. It's, yeah. it's going in and it's m- m- manifesting you into doing certain ways, and where he's actually affecting mm. world events. Yeah, but I think directly. Yeah, in comparison to how things like happen now, where they're slow, slight. And it's funny because it's like. Things now are slightly influenced, like half a degree at a time, by social yeah. media, and then in a year's time, they're ninety degrees in a different direction. Yeah, and that's what I'd be like. I feel like there's there's something to be said of revisiting that as in a newborn movie in terms of just the yeah. the media manipulation and all that kind of stuff, but just with the basis of not starting World War Three, so you can get exclusive broadcast rights in China. That's mm. silly, but yeah, that's fucking. But like getting the right person elected in the American election so that yeah. you can get some trade deals sorted out in the back, like that kind of thing. And that's, and like, that's, that's the thing. So having or is that Carver's Do you know I mean? Carver like, Jr. Yeah. Be in a position where he is this Zuckerberg esque, like he's Mark jobs, hmm. you know? Yeah. Or, and have him be this sort of like omniscient figure in the background that's manipulating social algorithms to force you down one not to force you but to guide you down one path or another which happens at the moment but it's done algorithmically now but having somebody actually tailor that and just slightly shunt somebody like i don't know like a senior political figure have have their social media presence be slightly pushed off just one way and then being able to be like right well the ai recognizes this this, isn't this so we know when it's their personal account so we can shift that slightly to make them see something. Yeah. And then we can move that over slightly and make them see something more, 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 more. And it's that, mm. the, the same, it's the same adoption of like the outright gets from somebody that's sort of been through being cancelled or, yeah. you know, which isn't really a thing. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, like interesting Carver, like, how Carver could do that nowadays. Yeah, I think a, a new version of it. But that, I think that's part of what they did with him though, is that they obviously, because... It was 1997. It was before that sort of social media influence stuff yeah. could happen. So it was all about papers. It was all about yeah. the British press and how that can like win and lose elections. And again, famously, there are instances of Rupert Murdoch winning the election for Margaret Thatcher and other yeah. things like that. But I feel like 
they purposely went out there. What the filmmakers purposely went out of the way to make his plot so over the top and ridiculous. Yes. So that Rupert Murdoch wouldn't be so, offended. Like, because you, know I mean? like, you imagine if if he watched it or knew about what the plot was, and it was about you know some media mogul using his influence <laughs> to to win the election for the Tories or something like that. Yeah. And then he go right that's it the new James Bond film shit and start trashing it in the sun yeah and review bombing review bombing it and like the power of the press back then would have really made an impact on it so I feel yeah. like they purposely went we're gonna flirt with this idea but we've got to make it over the top enough so that it doesn't piss off Rupert yeah or any other media mogul for that matter like, you know what I mean? got, so that's why we're gonna go right he's starting World War 3 with China yeah Um. here's uh, Michelle Yeoh she's gonna do some kicking yeah she's gonna <laughs> do some kicks here's um, Terry Hatcher Terry Hatch is going to be in it for a bit. Um, but yeah, Tomorrow Never Dies is just, yeah, it's really silly. Um, it's got, yeah, it's got the, the car chase is one of the better car, better uses of a Piers Brosnan car, I think, of the, of this the things. the Z3. I, honestly, it doesn't matter what the car is because I think until the, um, until the, the Vanquish, they're just boring BMWs. Well, I don't know, man. Like, you say about that, the Z3 is like the, Biggest selling. Yeah, but like, it's, it's like a little hairdresser's car, isn't it? It's not a problem. Oh, come on, man. They're fucking brilliant. Like, that's the straight six. It's a great car. There's a reason it's the world's biggest selling, like, car of its type ever made. Yeah, but I like, think, I think they of, are brilliant cars. Like, yeah, I think part of it for me is like, I hate the idea of Bond. Bond shouldn't be driving like a BMW or a fucking Audi. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because they are like mid-range, like businessman cars. He should be yeah. driving fucking Aston Martins and Jaguars yeah. and shit that you couldn't, get, you can't fucking drive that. It's not yeah. for all the likes of you. Like, you know exactly. I mean? I mean, despite um, the fact that like JLR is like Jaguar Land Rover is owned by Tata. Who yeah, make, I know. Like, I know but, like, but like that's I know what you mean. Like the 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 level that exists within that. Yeah. Um, because that's the other thing they did. Even uh, just briefly going back to Goldeneye. Um, is they've established that idea that the DB5 is his personal car. Yeah. Which is fucking brilliant. I love that. It's the next time we see him in, in GoldenEye, because they do do a, like, a 10-year time jump, which is weird. Cause he's yeah, and they don't even say that no. it's 10 years. They just they say nine years later. They do oh, say, do they? They, do, they say nine years later. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah. Um, but they everyone looks exactly the same. But anyway, yeah. the point of that opening... Apart from Alec. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that in that he's doing the whole chase with the, yeah. the Ferrari in the DB5, and the idea is yeah. that again, throughout the Brosnan series, when he gets called into MI6, he turns up in his DB5, and then he yeah. gets, and then he gets given his BMW for the mission. Yeah, but his his personal car is the DB5. Yeah, which I fucking love that idea. I love that they're keeping that as a, and they keep that even through into the Craig films. They yeah, they do. Right? That, it's got in his lockup, isn't he? Like, yeah, and it's like, no, this is my car. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I fucking love it. Um, but yeah, tomorrow ever dies, and just yeah, it, it's really silly. Um, it's over the top. It's got an over the top henchman. The, th- the henchman's probably the weakest of yeah. all. Like the yeah, I mean, all the henchmen that are in these aren't that great. That's that's why I mean again when you go when you compare. But Zenia is brilliant. Yeah, Zenia is always Goldeneye. Goldeneye just beats, yeah. wins on that on that front. This guy is like the the the. Main dancer in a backup, yeah, he's, in, a big, he's like he's, in craft work or something. Yeah, he's like a big, like, he's in a German boy band or whatever, anyway. yeah. Like, like, he's this, like, he looks like Dolph Lundgren, <laughs> yeah, kind of like he's got an Ivan Drago look about him. But then there's that bit where he's like, Oh, this guy was like a father to me and he taught me all the ways of torture. And you're like, Okay, we, we never see you do that, yeah. you've just said that, and yeah. then you die. 
True. Yeah. Um, and then Elliot Carver, like fucking honestly, Jonathan Price, he's hamming it up. He's so good. He's great, but he's fucking ridiculous. It's yeah. The, it's the the whole big speech he does at the beginning with the there's no news, like bad news. Yeah. It's like I want books, I want films, I want us on air twenty four hours a day, and it's all this <laughs> shit. Like, you like, like you look back now and you're like, all right catch up mate like yeah. everywhere has been there like that for yeah. exactly yeah it, it's, it's funny that how ridiculous it seemed at the time whereas but now yeah. you're watching you go yeah fair enough is it like, but he's just yeah he's he's himself over the top but the things he's saying is aren't necessarily no he's just delivering it in an over the top way yeah um oh it's the bmw 750 right yeah it's um, the remote control one isn't yeah, it yeah that's what i mean it's the remote because i think that sequence is the best like action sequence with his cars. Yeah. Because in, in GoldenEye, it doesn't do anything. No. Um, it, They've got the car chase. Yeah, that, well, but there's the tank chase, which is awesome. Yeah. But then they had, and then in World's Not Enough, it literally gets sawn in half after about five minutes. It it shoots one missile yeah. and it drives forward a bit. Yeah. And then the, obviously, the infamous ice sequence. Yes. With, which we'll talk about, we die another day. Ugh. But like, I think the best of all of them is that whole, when he's, just, he's literally just in the car park in yeah. Reading or something <laughs> just yeah. driving around but just like, laughing his ass off I love, yeah, I love his remote control car I love that he's having such a good time with it like sitting in the background hee hee like, <laughs> like a dad with a new gadget <laughs> yeah. and he's just like yeah. oh you won't believe this son look it's got bluetooth <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> look at this if I uh, if I pop this thing up on the body on the, the BMW badge and it cuts a chain yeah but, but only at the, it's that perfect specific height yeah and that's why like, that's another one of those ones where I love the whole Bond gadget thing where they're really specific to the mission that he's on and there's there's a lot oh, what can I possibly do if only I had a gadget for this exact situation yeah and he always does it's uh, the phone when he's like oh this phone it's got this uh, it's got uh, a taser and a thumbprint scanner that's good a fingerprint scanner oh that's handy oh, I wonder if I'm going to need that in the next five minutes exactly I think I think the worst one for that actually um, sort of moving into uh, World's Not Enough is the um, is the jacket the ski jacket? Yeah, that just turns into a little bomb shelter thing, and it's like, why could you? How could you possibly know that he would need that? Yeah, like, my just... my my head cannon yeah. is that Q at some point has programmed or created a machine that allows him to see into the future, right. <laughs> and he can't. He can see what's going to happen, so he knows about all these things, but he can't influence them in any other way other than to be like like a slight nudge. Yeah. So he's like, here, James, take this jacket that inflates into a, a giant ball just in case you need it. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're going to Azerbaijan, which yeah. isn't known for its skiing, but um, you're going to take it there in your... And it's going to become a ski suit not a jacket anymore yeah. it's now a ski suit it's all connected in one oh, yeah. piece oh yeah I don't know. Make any and sense. then they go up to inspect these lines but they're like five miles away yeah and then they do it but he's like uh-huh. i don't know if you've ever seen the netflix show travelers where there's all these like certain points in time they have to like make sure a certain thing happens right to influence events to stop the world from ending I think that's what Q is. I think Q is a traveller. Or ha- is someone that has knowledge of the future, which yeah. is why the BMW has a specific thing. He needed a thumbprint. He needed a fingerprint scanner. It's got a taser. It's yeah. got an aerial that's, that unlocks anything. But again, it, like, 
I can't, I can't, I keep going back to gold because when you're comparing all these, then you go, you think, well, it's golden eyes, the pen. Yeah. It's the clicker, and that is a legitimate use for it. You've got Boris flicking it around, exactly on it. One of the first things we hear Boris say at the very beginning of it is, I'm going for a cigarette. Which, so he's going to be fiddling with things like you yeah. were saying like, when we watched it you were like I was like well, people really fiddle with stuff like that all the time he goes yeah I'm a smoker we do that all the time yeah. and, like, and now and former. We just, we've, we're a former smoker yeah and then so now we've established that's what Boris is and that's what he's doing and it's like yeah that makes perfect sense yeah. and that is a legitimate reason three clicks does the pen arms, arms it. it three clicks disarms it and then you've got this really tense moment where Bond's trying to count how many clicks there are yeah. it's fucking brilliant that's one of the best uses of a gadget yeah. in the whole series um, anyway, keep going on about no, but this is like further reinforcing how good Goldeneye exactly, is. Exactly, yeah. Every time you compare any part of these four films, you Goldeneye did it better. Mm-hmm. It just did. Um, but the, I think the only thing that where Tomorrow Never Dies does have them beat all of them is that it is the most British. Of Fucking them. hell, is it? Because it's just it's all the stuff you see on the ships, on the navy ships. My God, sir! Oh, bloody hell! Bloody hell! What's going on here? The best thing is um, Julian Fellows. Yeah. yeah, and just Christ, the, <laughs> the press were already screaming for blood, and now that we've got this on our hands, British sailors murdered. And there's <laughs> so there's Julian Fellows, there's um, Jerry Butler, Jerry which, Butler, as you were saying, it. but also Hugh, Hugh Bonneville, is Hugh it, Bonneville, but then uh, there's loads of um, people. <laughs> Tom, what's his name? Tom, Tom Bossman. Boss <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's an <laughs> so, so they will fire if, if targeted again. They've gone insane. My God. <laughs> it's the Americans. They figured out a way to take them down. It's, it's that, isn't it? It's, <laughs> yeah. the, it's, the, it's the bit from fucking Independence Day. Where, like, oh, bloody it's all hell. of them. Well, it's a bad bloody time. A bad bloody time, what I say. What are they supposed to do? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Tomorrow Ever Dies is the most British. But moving yeah. on. The world is not enough. The world is not enough. Now, the world is not enough is um, equally interesting and frustrating. Yeah. Because. Fuck me, a lot goes on that doesn't really have go anywhere. No. I think, re-watching it now, and it's been a while since I've seen it, I think basically what they did was, they kind of made a Daniel Craig movie ahead of time. Yeah. And I feel like it would have been better as a Daniel Craig movie. In the whole, the idea, because there's this big sort of plot in the middle of it, is that you've got this kind of, this femme fatale character played, uh, I can't remember, Sophie... Sophie Marceau. Marceau, yeah. And there's this element of it, and I'm just gonna, we're going to spoil it because we have to. But yeah. there's a Stockholm syndrome. Is basically yeah. the idea is that she's she was captured and she was kidnapped and therefore and then fell in love with her captors. Yeah. And there's this whole storyline where Bond feels protective of her and then she betrays him and mm-hmm. it's all it's like complicated and emotional and it's all, that would have suited a Daniel Craig movie much better. Like, can you yeah. imagine if they'd done that but with like Leia Sado's character? Yeah. Like, or, or not even her character, but her her playing that character yeah, yeah. opposite Daniel Craig. Like that, they those two could have sold, and that's that. the thing. They may well be doing that in No Time to Die. Maybe like yeah. from what we've seen in the trailer so far, they are seeding that yeah. sort of thing um, in I there. Feel and like I they think have... by taking out, completely removing mm. Christmas Jones, yeah, and that's that's not well. She actually, yeah, I'm going to say is. she's fucking rubbish. She's <laughs> useless for the film. Like, there's no need for her to be in this it Denise, other than this is Denise Richards we're talking about. Denise Richards' crowning performance of ineptitude <laughs> she's fucking useless and she's fucking shit yeah like remove her completely because she's n- in nothing in it other than to be good tits against the bad tits yeah you know and that's the problem is that they bring her in as just this it's just this pretty woman 
that's supposed to be a foil and she's not she doesn't encounter anything she doesn't do anything but it's such a joke it's like it it feels like something out of wayne's world where she she turns out i'm a nuclear physicist and it's this ridiculous like it's like slow motion like yeah and she's wearing she's dressed up as lara croft and yeah pants like like, careless whisper plays over the top as she's taken off her suit it's like we meant to take this seriously like shut the fuck up it's like that's that is the biggest problem with worlds not enough generally is that it tries to be both be a bit more serious and a bit more dark in tone but then also have the cubo yeah and also have christmas jones and also have all this like this crazy stuff and it's like well pick one yeah pick a lane like if you want to get more serious that's cool but you can't then also have stupid shit like pick yeah. one like, like exactly they, they have their one ridiculous thing in that like there aren't even that many like like you say the plot is fairly grounded it's all about like um, oil and getting oil across and like the Russians are going to try and take her down because that would just it would decrease the price of oil and all that stuff it's like okay that's pretty grounded the one ridiculous bit in it is uh, Renard as a character who's been shot yeah. in the head and therefore doesn't feel any pain anymore and the bullet is slowly going to kill him as it yeah. moves through so his brain the it's... further it's going the, the, the longer time goes on the less pain he's feeling yeah and you're like okay like that can happen yeah. like there are there's like a, there's a case of a man in america who was um like accidentally shot in the head and it changed his personality from night to day like he's yeah. a completely different person afterwards um and like different effects that these sort of traumatic brain injuries can have on people mm. but it's he's and he's in there as like the deformed henchman again yeah. so he's got this big scar and he's he's unable to feel pain. But again, I feel like it was a little bit of a waste of Robert Carlyle because Robert Carlyle's great. He's a great actor, and as it well, was just, it was right off the back of Train Spotting as well because it was nineteen ninety nine, so a couple of yeah. years later, and they got Robert Carlyle, and I just feel like he kind of he didn't. It's not like he, it wasn't his fault. It's just what no, he was, it was just bad writing. Like. It wasn't. He wasn't particularly. He was nowhere near as well written as Alex Trevelyan. Again, again, yeah, he could have worked. Yeah, and they've put him in his like this generic Russian yeah. evil foil that's disarmed, like however many people because of his ability to yeah. not feel pain and but just, oh he's an anarchist but he's yeah. also a terrorist but he's also a political former KGB yeah. and like they just kind of threw loads of things yeah. in it. It's like if you take a lot of this stuff out, yeah. you still have a Bond film in there. You still have a really clever Bond film and you have a Bond film that can justify. Like his feelings towards um, what's her name, King. Yeah. And like you can see that like they both had these troubles in the past, yeah. and they both had these things to not live up to. And, and also just the the other element that they bring into it, which again feels like much more of a Daniel Craig thing, is M and giving M this whole yeah. story. And she's so, got and she's yeah, involved. So she's like emotionally compromised because she was friends with the the father, yeah. and therefore she like, she feels like she's like. She feels again protective of this girl, and, yeah. and the girl then manipulates that. To, and it's like that, this is really good. This is some really yeah, good yeah. stuff. And you're getting Judy Dent out doing some stuff rather than just sitting her back in the office for the whole movie. Yeah. Again, if it had been a Daniel Craig movie and it had been done with that kind of, you know, with a filmmaker like Sam Mendes or whatever, yeah, then we would have been. That's what you know, Skyfall ended up being really. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, it was like M's past coming back to bite her and all yeah. that kind of shit, which was great. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that next week. But then you get this thing, which is then it's going to be a nuclear bomb because they've stolen half a nuclear core from a yeah. warhead and then they've know. put one in this bit and they've managed to disarm that. That's all right, because Robbie Coltrane's going to turn up. Everything's going to be fine. 
Exactly. That's and the it's one, like... one little bit of continuity they have in this series. Robbie Coltrane turns up in two of them. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. He's a, he's he's, ta- he's in uh, Goldeneye and then he comes yeah. back in The World's Not Enough. And he works in this. Like, there's the part where they go to his casino and yeah. he's like, oh, your father had a line of credit, one million US dollars if you'd like to come with me. And then yeah. she loses... Mm. And Bond's like, oh, fuck, like, uh, f- feels guilty about it. Yeah. And then it turns out... It was a payoff. It was a payoff. Yeah. Well, and it was just a dodge, and it's just and like... Again, that feels classic Bond. That's the kind of thing that would have happened in a, in a fucking... Yeah, like a know, Doctor No or yeah, something exactly. like... It's the kind it's... of thing is like people using casinos to make shady deals and stuff. And that's, yeah. got, that's how Bond... That's why Bond is set in casinos. Yeah. That's the whole point. Like, Casino Royale, the plot of Casino Royale is moving massive amounts of, like, terrorist money yeah in a in a legitimate way by having a giant high stakes poker game at casino royale yeah. that was the genesis of all the bond yeah Do you know what i mean is so, yeah it's a, it, that's the thing i think a lot of people write off the world's not enough but there are a lot of things in it that you know it was it's like i say it's frustrating it's just yeah. it's, it was almost there there's just there's too much in it it needed yeah. a really serious like edit yeah for it to be to have some of that silliness pulled yeah. out of it. But at the same time, there are some great the, the one great silly bit that I wouldn't change at all is the boat chase. Oh, the boat chase, and the thing is, the boat chase works. Boat chase is fucking ridiculous. No, it works, but then it, it jumps the shark a little bit when he gets it on land and starts driving it. Oh yeah, when he <laughs> starts going through the fucking back streets of London. <laughs> it's when he turns. Yeah, like... when he literally drives around a corner. <laughs> he goes around a corner and it's like flames coming out the back of it <laughs> but like he's been chased by police cars who can't keep up with a boat on land but it's <laughs> but it's worth it because of the bit where he takes out the two traffic wardens putting the clamp on the car <laughs> splashes them what was that what the fuck was that oh bloody hell blimey oh cool blimey oh I shouldn't be leaving so many tickets oh uh, maybe I'll have to change the way I think about my life I love it and they just have the, these weird little nods to the fact that it's the turn of the millennium as well so they show you the millennium dome yeah and then they have the oh it's the Y2K bug they make some passing reference to and it's like they could, could have done something yeah, with that they really could have but they chose not to, which is okay, fair enough. They could have done that with Goldeneye. Like, they could have set Goldeneye at the turn of the millennium and have Alec be like, oh, we're going to set it off at the stroke of midnight on. Mm. Well, uh, apparently, I think it was, I think it was Tomorrow Never Dies, where at one point it was going to be around the handover between where you, the Britain was handing over Hong Kong to Oh, the Hong Chinese. Kong back to China. And they were like, we're going to put a plot around that. And they were like, actually, that's not, because what if something goes wrong? Yeah. Like, because, you know... Tomorrow Never Dies, apparently, it was like an absolute chaotic shoot. Like, they they went into it with no script. Really? And it was all just chaotic, which is why, well, that's what happened with Anthony Hopkins. So, Anthony Hopkins was cast as Elliot Carver. Yeah. Turned up, and after a couple of days on set, he just went, this is, I don't know what the fuck I'm meant to be doing, I quit. Yeah. And just walked off. And they got Jonathan Bryson afterwards. Fucking hell. Because I knew he was going to be in one of them, but I just yeah. didn't. I thought he was going to be Robert King. No, he did that, and then he he chose not to do it. And then went off to find out what Martin Campbell was doing off the back of having just directed Golden Knight and he was doing The Mask of Zorro. Oh, cool. And that's where Anthony Hopkins went. Ah, uh, Anthony Hopkins in brown face. He's not in brown face, isn't that? Is he? Yes. He no, I swear he's like really pasty white and he's no. like, he's, okay, maybe I need to rewatch it. <laughs> there's a particular bit. There's a there's one bit in particular where you're like, um... This is for a minute, it's from Spain. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> this is Sean one. Connery, the Spanish, yeah, the Spanish guy from Highlander. <laughs> fucking hell. Um, yeah. So I mean, fucking hell. So, yeah. So the world is not enough. So the world is not enough. Is 
there's a lot in there and it, yeah. get, it really think, shows and yeah you kind of hit the I nail on the head there saying about it being a Craig film in the Brosnan era the perfect example of it again like you think of like the way they finish off with the two women in, those, in that movie so I think the great part of it is how they finished the Electra storyline yeah. which again was apparently a rewrite apparently there was a there was a version of it where they tested it with audiences where she didn't die and Bond had her locked up in, in an uh, institution like a mental institution okay, getting treated for Stockholm Syndrome and audiences hated that so instead they have the ending which is fucking one of the best Bond moments that he's ever had which sounds like I'm a psychopath when I say it mm. <laughs> it's the moment when he chases her um, and he finally confronts her and she says you won't kill me James you'd miss me yeah. and then she goes to tell Renard to go and do the thing and he just shoots her point blank in cold blood and yeah. then just the line is shoots her in the chest yeah I never miss Yeah, and then turns around and jumps out the window and that fucking brilliant I love that it. scene for yeah. me encapsulates Brosnan as Bond yes because it goes to show how cold hearted he can be when he needs to be mm. but it also demonstrates like his vulnerability because bit, there's yeah. that point afterwards after he shot her where he like looks over her body yeah, see, and that, he's like mourning her a bit and you're like mm. it's done in a in hindsight it's done in a slightly creepy way because he immediately just stands between her legs yeah because he does a similar thing with um, Terry Hatcher in yeah he just leans over and sort of gives him a kiss on the chin. and I always thought that as a bit but it's kind of what happened with obviously when his wife was killed by yes it is but, that, but I feel like that's like that reaction should be reserved for his wife and Vesper and that's it Mm. Like all other women, like after Vesper, all other women are just like yeah. That's the reason he is the way he is with women. That's yeah. why Casino Royale. Does and what that's he does. the thing. And I think that's what. So that's what happens with Casino Royale. But when you're looking at something like the world is not enough, yeah, you realise that this is the person that broke that vulnerability down. Mm. Yeah, true. And that was the person that cut through but with like, her vulnerability and him realising that he needed to be this protector yeah I think part of it is that that just doesn't get sold well enough because they don't build yeah, it like no just, don't. literally his that all that that you just said about his vulnerability coming out they communicate that by the bit where he watches the video of her having been kidnapped and he tries to wipe her tears away from the screen that's it I thought that he zoomed in to be honest that's it that's the only then from that point onwards you're meant to understand that he's got this deep connection with this woman and he wants mm. to protect her whereas with like Vesper they spend a whole movie building yeah. that up yeah anyway um but yeah, the other thing so I was going to say that so that is like the epitome of what wasn't enough could have been and then the way it ends with Christmas Jones Ugh. is the end of the movie where he's lying on top of her um, and the heat signature is getting hotter and hotter and they go, oh no, it must be some form of the Millennium Bug and then he says the most groan-inducing line of probably yeah, the whole series is I thought Christmas only comes once a year and then the film ends and then just it, you're left on with a very bad taste in your mouth Sour it's, taste. Just, it's just oh god that's the worst that's the worst line he's ever said yeah anyway then we get to die another day die another day starring Madonna fucking cockney little Madonna die another she's day she's having a lovely time die another day is, I think die another day was the first one I actually went to go and see in the cinema okay um, so it was a bit confusing for me <laughs> like because at the time that I was like, this is brilliant, and it's like one of those ones where it's like it's like the prequels where I realised after the fact, it's like wait a minute, this is shit. Mm. <laughs> um, but like the ramp up from 
world's not enough to die another day is fucking insane. Yes. Because we were just talking about how like grounded a lot it's of It's fucking nonsense. It's not like it's slowly got more ridiculous because Bond has got this ridiculous before. It's Moonraker. That's yeah. the biggest one that you can compare it to. Moonraker when he goes to space. Yeah. And again, that was like a reaction to uh, Star Wars was big at the time. So they yeah. felt like they had to do something sci-fi. But this one's like... Yeah, it's like also all those previous ones, they all have one ridiculous thing. This mm-hmm. one has all, all of, them. of them. So it's got, right, fucking hovercraft. Hovercraft, landmine, DMZ. DMZ. Um, DNA replacement therapy that can turn a small Korean man into a six foot tall white British bloke. Yeah, by, and then what they do is they take the marrow out, they suck the marrow out of the bones, which means they haven't got any DNA left in them. And then they. And then they replace it with the the, the DNA of children, and runaways, and orphans, People and that and that. So they're gonna they're gonna they that's what they did to make him, in this Toby Stevens. Yeah, and like yeah, so like each of the things are the most ridiculous thing, and there's like six of them. So that's one what yeah. you just described, which is fucking insane. Also, an invisible car. Yeah. Also, diamond face. Diamond face. Also, space laser. Giant space laser. Also, a giant fucking um, ice palace. Yes. Also, just like the list. Halle Berry. Halle Berry. Like also, just, miniature jet suit things. Yeah, the fucking yeah, the, the switchblade things. Like just it just. Also, ice sled, rocket, rocket also, sled. Also, a giant um, dra- dragged out sword fight in the middle of a. Madonna. Madonna, like. Everything about it is fucking insane. Everything about it is like... And that's what was bad about it as well, because it was trying to do this sort of backdoor sequel, side call, by, they're like, oh, we're going to do a film series with Jinx now. And they were going to have a series of films that were like spun off from that with Jinx. And obviously they have to have a female foil, so they get Rosamund Pike. Yeah. And I don't care about spoilers, the film's fucking shit, don't watch it. Um... But it, you know, none of it pulls together, and it no. gets to about it gets to about an hour, and after that, it's just line after line after line like, of yeah. puns. Everyone talks of, entirely in puns, like everybody. They're either talking in puns or like what are supposed to be like really prof- like strong profundities about. Oh yes, you know, and it's the art of war, and you told me the art of war, father, and that's how I would know is because. You told me that thing. Other than one of the biggest selling books in history. Yeah. It's like, yeah, his one way of like, of proving that is really him is by quoting The Art of War, which is, as you say, one of the most well-known books that most people would have read in that world of Bond. Like, everyone's read The Art of War. It's like the first thing you do. I've read The Art of War. It's about 200 200 pages, if that. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just a series of parables. Like, it's not, it's not a, particularly profound book no it's just yeah it's I mean, just every, slightly it. racist that they've decided to yeah. really lean in with the the art of war by sun Tzu, who was a chinese general and force it onto a korean general for him to teach his son about these different profound remarks that are in there i know it's just, everything about it it's like i don't know where like it's there are li- like say it's the first hour like there's almost something like they get the, that opening sequence with the, yep. with the hovercraft is like Okay, I can go stupid. with that. I can live with that. And even the th- stuff with like when he gets captured and tortured, 
like our Mercedes is like that that is like that is a really cool thing like for Bond like he gets tortured and doesn't say a word for yeah. a year and a half or whatever it is yeah and it's like yeah this guy's fucking nails and you see him go through all the torture unfortunately it's set to Madonna's Die Another Day song which is fucking one of the worst songs and again not I'll say it one more time but all the songs what's the best song out of the four of them I really like The World Is Not Enough do you? Yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. I, to, to me, it's clearly, sorry, it's clearly uh, Goldeneye. Yeah. Goldeneye is like a classic Bond song. Tina Turner. Yeah. Is, I mean, it is. It does. It does hit differently. But like, I th- I really like Tomorrow Never Dies oh, on its own as a song. I really like Tomorrow Never Dies. Did you mean Well Not Enough? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Because th- what's interesting is, and you should look this up on your way back. There's a better version of Tomorrow Never Dies. Is it? There's a different. So, what they do with Bond songs is they get people to like pitch their ideas for them. Okay. And there's one that they never, they didn't choose. They chose Cheryl Crow or something, yeah. wasn't it, for Tomorrow Never Dies? Okay. But there's a version that Katie Lang did. Okay. Called Yeah, Tomorrow Never Dies, and it's like done with that again. They they give them like the hook, like the little bit of the um, score. So it's like Tomorrow Never Dies was that, and that they build the song around that. Katie Lang did one. It's really good. Really? Just look up Tomorrow Never Dies by KB. Okay. But I feel like it's one of those ones where it's like, she's a, you know, like a lesbian icon. I was like, yeah. maybe that was a bit much for 1997. Maybe. Maybe Cheryl Crow. People want to, yeah, that, yeah. that's a safer bet. Let's do that. Yeah. Because um, Shirley Mance, it was Garbage that did the world. Yeah, Garbage did the world's not enough. And then Madonna yeah. for um, fucking Die Another Day. And that is, just, it was everything about die, the music for Die Another Day. It was embarrassing. Um, but yeah, and then it just it, it just slowly descends into crap, doesn't it? When it's he come, just yeah, yeah. He comes out and he's all like like grizzly man Bond. It's just like okay, this is getting silly. He's like he looks like Captain Caveman. Yeah, and it just gets sillier and sillier as he goes. But they didn't even address the fact that he's been tortured for eighteen months and he is fine. His liver's not too good. Oh, his liver's not too good. It's definitely ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Rampant alcoholism is a good joke alcoholism. in 2000 whenever. <laughs> like, that's a funny one. You've got permanent liver damage. <laughs> that's to be expected. That's funny. Anyway, that man has no psychological problems after being tortured consistently for 18 months in pretty horrible ways, including being repeatedly stung with scorp by scorpions, and then given the antidote. and then give yeah. an antivenom. That's fucked up. That's like, fucking horrible. But that's why I like again. That's another thing where it's like that's that's too good a concept for this kind of movie yeah. that you're making. Like that's too good. Like again, I can imagine they're giving it to a Daniel Craig or another, mm-hmm. and the idea of him like coming out of that and building himself back up. I've always thought it would be a really cool introduction of a new Bond. Yeah. To see him captured. Yeah. And literally go right. You've got to like build him back up from the ground, from the ground, basically. Like you see, the the movie starts with a man in chains, and you find out that it's actually James Bond. Sort yeah. Of thing. Um. So that's yeah, that's fun. Do that. Well, with... And something that's happened that's making it like hard for him to kill people. Yeah. Like it's because it becomes too easy because he's just fucking mincing people and throwing them into newspaper machines. And, <laughs> and like... that's one of the worst ones. The newspaper, like yeah, going again. This is tomorrow never dies. 
um, the moment where he like because the guy he kills is just wearing like a red like blazer he's just a security guy he's just a security bloke who just gets gets in and then he throws him into the fucking, taking his job too seriously yeah he throws him into the um, the printing press and goes, they'll print anything these days I'm <laughs> printing anything these days oh. that man had a wife and kids <laughs> shocking it's so bad um, but that, but not as bad like I mean there's Dying of the Day is too many ones to mention they're so bad no it's just fucked it's like there's so much going on in there there's, that it um, becomes hard to focus and hard to pay attention because there's so much shit in yeah, there everything about them. so like yeah the, the villain himself is Toby Stevens but then when you find out what he's who he's actually supposed to be it's laughable mm-hmm. him himself is just like really hamming it up which is kind of what you're supposed to do as a Bond villain but yeah. he almost takes it too far yeah, um, like he does, and like I will say that given, like when he's doing all that, like the Gustav Graves yeah. stuff, he's good because he's got that like shit eating grin. You just want to punch yeah, his the, fucking I, face I, I, in every time he talks or every again, time he says something. Yeah, again, that idea that he modelled himself on Bond. Yeah, that's quite a cool idea. It's quite a cool idea. It's like right, the, this the smug sort of arrogance of the West yeah. sort of thing. And I've I've made a caricature of that. Yeah. I was like, that's a cool idea. If in any and way. I've done it better than you because I've yeah got myself into this, but they did it in a year. Yeah, but he's he, got space laser, and can fucking parachute into London to become knighted. To be knighted, and like no one's looked into his past, and it's, yeah. yeah, it's bollocks. It's just it's all silly. Um, Rosamund Pike is also kind of silly and just there again. She's the, as you say, you hit the nail on the head. She's there so Harley Barry can have someone to fight at the end. Yeah. Basically. Uh, but even her, like, again, we've seen her give great performances in things like yeah. Gone Girl. And in this, she's very much... Although I will say, it's her first movie she ever made. Yeah. So, fair play. It's a massive stage to step onto, isn't it? Um, but just like, yeah, it. I feel like they... It, it feels reactionary in a way that I feel like The World Is Not Enough may have been criticised for being too boring. And being a bit too middle of the road, and yeah. then they feel like they have to compete now. Two thousand two, it was like the era of the superhero movie started coming up, and like they're starting. People are taking the piss out of them. Like, I remember it was around the time of like Triple X, yeah. And there was that whole bit in Triple X where the guy turns up wearing a tuxedo and he gets yeah. shot immediately because you know spies these days can't. Yeah. Well, you can't walk because he ends up in like a fucking um, Ramstein concert. Yeah, right? Ramstein. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's this whole thing of like. Bond has become a pastiche and it's become a piss take now. Yeah. And they feel like they went too hard in trying to make it. Yeah. And I think it was it was made with a, like, you know, everyone's gone into the meeting room and they're like, look, you know, what does Bond do? No idea it's too silly here. Yeah. And they just ran with no idea it's too silly. Yeah. It's like any one of those individual ideas, like like I say, on the other movies, they all have one crazy idea and that's all right. So if, you, if your whole thing had been, he's got a space laser, they go... All right, it's bigger than all the rest of the last ones, but fine. Okay, that's whatever. It's and it's not even that. It's late. Even that, mm. you could go. Well, it's reflecting the sun's light back on the earth. Okay, there's an element of yeah. Okay, believability to that. Fine. Yeah, whatever. But they go that plus the gene therapy slicing, removing someone's DNA. And it's the fact that they try and explain it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing that's so fucking stupid about it because yeah. it's not because they're like, oh, we we extract your DNA and we replace it. Every single cell. Yeah. Just think about that. It doesn't make any fucking... Yeah, it's just... Oh. It's the idea that... And it's this weird little hospital in Cuba. On a, the, on Island of the Organs. 
it's so weird. It's so weird. Everything about it is so fucking odd. And um, yeah, there's there's so then there's the, the the two the the um the Bond car chase between the two Bond cars. Yeah, is ridiculous. But there are a couple of moments in it that I do kind of love. I do love the moment where he does the flip using the um ejector seat. Yeah, it's fucking stupid, but I love it. <laughs> like that would work better yeah. if it wasn't for the fact that it was, and he dodged a missile with it. Kind of, yeah. Because that kind of pushed it over the edge. Like, if the car got flipped and he's, like, got to think his way out of it and he uses that and, say, the guy was going to drive into him with the spike sticking out the front, that would have been better. Yeah, I feel like... But then they even fucked that up by going into the ice hotel, which is melting and flooding and... It's over there. I can't even begin to describe how fucking stupid it is when they talk about, like, integrated wiring... In the walls of an ice palace. But no, it's perfectly balanced, Tom, because the amount of the human element keeps it perfectly balanced. So even what I, I, there are such places like this, like yeah, they have yeah, their yeah, ice yeah. bars and stuff. They are. But the whole point of them is that first of all, you have to wear like a, a special like thermal yep. suit. Second of all, there can only be a certain number of people in there at any one time. So yep. if you get one extra person in there, the whole place will fuck up. The whole place will start to melt really, really quickly. And that's forgetting the fact that, like, as you say, there is internal wiring. There's in the internal wirings. There are door locks. There's lights. There's, lights, there's fucking all sorts going on in there. <laughs> and everyone's just poncing around in their fucking tuxedos and pretty dresses. And they're like, oh, it's quite nice in here. Is this all made of ice? Yep. Even the floor. Which is slick as fuck, and you're walking around in it in dress shoes. But you can't tell because they're moving the camera really quickly. They do that. Oh yeah, but they, what they do is they do it in post. So they move the camera really quickly in post, and then try and slow it down. And what it does is it makes it look like the camera's broken. Yeah, but they do that a lot. This is the first one that I noticed any sort of interesting direction, because they're all fairly standardly shot. It's Pretty the much. contents that make it the film. Like, I don't. Outside of Mendez, I wouldn't say that there are particularly any sort of really standout directors of Bond. No, I think, yeah, to me, it's it's Skyfall. And I think most of that is not even Mendez. It's uh, Roger Deakins is the reason yeah, yeah. why that stands out. Because he's, as a cinematography point of view, like every yeah. shot in Skyfall is just like... Oh. Yeah. Um, like, I have my problems with Skyfall, but that's something that we'll get into next week. But No, you don't that... have any problems with Skyfall. It's perfect. Fuck you. <laughs> like, um, but yeah. And then, yeah, it's just fucking silly, fucking stupid, and it left a really sour taste in everybody's mouth. Yeah, and weirdly, it feels like Brosnan, like, he is phoning it in a little bit. He's he's not, yeah, he just doesn't have the... Again, like, he, he sh- showed those moments in World's Not Enough, he was there. I mean, there is that one moment in World's Not Enough that I will mention as well, where he does the whole uh, drop the act uh, moment, and that, it reminded me a little bit, the way he says it, like, um, was it? Knew exactly where to hurt me. Knew exactly all about my shoulder. <laughs> yeah. all that. It's like it feels really out of character for Bond. He goes yeah. and he says something like, um, "Was it? Uh, there's no point in living if you can't feel alive. Isn't that your motto?" <laughs> like that, if it, it, that is like the Bond equivalent of the um, Michael Keaton. Let's get nuts. Yeah, let's get nuts. It's like we Pierce Bond doesn't talk like that. <laughs> but yeah. That's something because I yeah it's funny you should mention that because that to me is stands out quite a lot because yeah. it's it's actually finding out what he's kind of like behind this veil yeah true. and you're like actually he's quite 
nasty and distant. Like if you've hurt him, yeah, he's gonna kill you, yeah, or he's gonna beat you up emotionally, yeah. And that's what he's starting to do, and he's getting quite aggressive and quite nasty. Like, yeah, and you're like, and he's like, you knew about this, and you knew about this, and you're yeah. like, that's the sound of like an abusive person in a relationship. Yeah, and that's somebody that's. And that's like pulling it back a bit and going, oh shit, he's being really like himself here and he's experienced like something that's made him that way or he is like that, Mm. which is why all these women go away from him really quickly because he demonstrates that using behavior of women. Mm. And you're like, oh, he's he's an emotional narcissist. Like he's completely in love with himself and thinks that all these women belong to him and then when they fuck off he's like doesn't matter there's plenty there's a thousand other women that I'm going to sleep with tomorrow yeah I think that's like to me like that's been that's shown better again in uh, Casino Royale where he goes the the job is done the bitch is dead yeah that moment where he just he shuts down yeah but we know there's more going on but it's that facade coming out I fucking love Casino Royale can't wait to talk about it um, so uh, yeah I mean Die Another Day is fucking it's, it's a shame because it sort of went out it, it went out on a yeah, it kind of killed it for a few it years it did kill it because it was just like it, it was so silly and it was so over the top and then it, it came at that moment where yeah there were a couple of things going on in cinema at the time there was you know superhero movies were becoming much bigger yeah you were getting things like the you know the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies were coming out um, but in terms of action cinema and sort of and spy cinema the big thing that killed it was born yeah as we talked about earlier when you've got you know if even if the the movie had been the world's not enough that would have stood up up with the born identity and kind of made a case for itself a little bit i guess yeah but with this it's like no this is no, like you've... all the worst things about bond that everyone takes the piss out of the ridiculous villains, the cut, like the silly gadgets, the product placement, the, pro- the racism, every, yeah. like everything about it, the cringeworthy lines, the ira, all that shit is the like epitome of that. And then meanwhile, here's fucking this stripped back action movie, The Born Identity, which has got this like emotional core to it, and, yeah. it's, and the the fight is like real hand to hand fight sequences and just actual card. Like compare the car chase in this, yeah. To the car chase with in the mini in um, Paris in fucking in yeah. more identity like we, it's made you look silly on, yeah. on like a fraction of the budget yeah and it's made you look silly and then they really had to have a long hard look at themselves um, and they did and they came back swinging with Casino Royale yeah which we'll talk about next week yeah we definitely will this is gonna be fun yeah man I fucking love five it. films one week I've left them all to watch this week so it's gonna be uh, five. You've got three to watch and then we'll watch Spectre here, don't we? Yes, you're right, yeah. That's the plan. And then, yeah. well, Green Knight. We've got to think, think about that. Yeah, we've got we'll, to figure out where we'll, to fit we'll take this. Uh, we'll take this offline. We'll take this off, <laughs> yeah, we'll take this off air, but we have to think about it because The Green Knight is a movie that we've been very much anticipating yeah. and that is out next Friday. So amongst this Bond rewatch, we are also going to go watch that. Yeah. It's um, like a confession, Dom. Hmm? Ask, ask me this. Have I been reading... The 14th century poem. Of course you have. The Green Knight. How long is it? It's about two hours. Okay. It's, um, yeah. All right, we'll just do that and then also listen to Casino Royale on this week. Yeah. Um, and the short story, Quantum of Solace. Is that real? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, because that, that's the other interesting thing about the Bond, uh, this Brosnan series, actually, which we should probably mention, is the fact that this is the first time it's gone completely off book. Yes. So none of it, all the, all these four movies that we talked about today are completely, nothing. they've got draw no inspiration from Ian Fleming whatsoever, which was another big sort of sticking point when they went from that Dalton into Brosnan era. They were like, we can't, we've run out of material. Yeah. We've used every single, even, even the short stories, like things like Octopussy and uh, Living Daylights, they were short stories. Yeah. And they've used them. They've used everything. Like, what did we do? So they had to come up with something fresh and new, and that's when they came up with Goldeneye. Um, but I think what happened to that franchise and how it descended into Die Another Day is kind of, is the worst case scenario. <sighs> what happens when you go too far away from the source material? It's kind of like kind of a little bit like what happened with Game of Thrones. It's like they went they went off book and they went too far off book. Yeah, because like, that's the thing. Like you can see that they were like, well, people didn't like the world was not enough because it was a bit too real yeah. and a bit too like. But it's the clo- it's probably of the four of them. It might be the closest to a real Bond. Yeah, because it's because not, it works in like yeah. real espionage. Like they're gonna like. It's about it's about oil. And it's about oil. oil, oil controlling of oil by a megacorp that's dealing in corporate espionage. Yeah. So you send in real espionage agents. Yeah. To to deal with the situation. And people didn't like that, so then they made Die Another Day with lasers yeah. and fucking <laughs> like that shit. Exactly. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so it kind of yeah, it's, it's a shame because I think Brosnan just to sort of have a final word on him, as we talked about. He was a really good Bond. He I was, yeah. Going back to this, like you say, there are those moments, even in the lesser films, where you see what he could have done. And mm. I feel, and watching him die the other day, I feel bad for him because if you clearly know that he didn't want to do this, and he was just like, oh, for "Fuck's sake, really? Is this what we're doing?" And he just had to do it because he was sort of contractually obliged. Yeah. Um, and then he was kind of relieved that it was all over. Um, but Bond is something that continue like reinvention is part of the whole thing yeah so that is what was exciting about going to casino out um, yeah and, and allowing about. that to cycle is really interesting so yeah. it's always going to be good to see where we go next mm, absolutely which in our case is daniel craig yeah so we will return next week to talk about the daniel craig series yes um i'm really excited about it um because i love those films for the most part they're not all great i know that i'm not fucking yeah <laughs> Um, but even them, even the, again, they, there are interesting stories for why they turned out the way they did. Like Quantum of Solace, you know, was a massive victim of the uh, writers' strike. Uh, yeah, and that's something we can talk about. Um, so that, you know, there there are some interesting stuff to talk about on those ones, definitely. So, on that note, we'll wrap it up for now. Yeah, let us know your thoughts on Bond. Everyone has opinions on Bond. Yeah, who their favorite Everyone's is, got a Bond. who their least favorite is. Some people love the new Daniel Craig stuff. Some people sort of hate it and think Piers Brosnan was the one because he was the suavest and the most sophisticated, all that kind of stuff. Mm. I, I'm, I'm talking about our generation in particular, and then obviously there'll be other generations of people who know Sean Connery is my Bond or yeah. Roger Moore is my Bond. Um, so get involved, tweet us, you know, get us on the Instagram, all those places. You yeah, can yeah. email us at theomcastpod at gmail Yep. Um, tell us what you think. Um, and yeah, next week we'll wrap up, we'll do some more um, Daniel Craig's um, and then maybe have a bit of a, yeah, bit of a top list of our bonds and things like that. Mm. Yeah, because I do want to, it'll be interesting to talk about some of the other things that we've got from a bond perspective. Mm. But um, yeah. Yes. Very good. Very good. It's about time to wrap things up I don't know I was searching for a pun, a pun. No. but I'm not very good with puns Bond
James Bond. Oh, what I like about the Bond James Bond thing is the fact that the whole uh, the the whole point of him, the whole way he's able to introduce himself like that is because everyone in the world has to go Mister like that. Mm-hmm. No one does that. No one's ever done that. Like no, I think no again in the sixties, that kind of would have made sense. Like it was, it's a kind of Mister Bond, James Bond. Yeah, cool. But you have to have that setup, that lead in. If people don't give you that, then you no. can't do the line. So if people stop asking that. Like, yeah, it's, it is a bit odd. Um, but there you go. But it's still cool. We and didn't, yeah, we didn't talk about any of the Ameri- weird Americans that keep popping up. Oh, what, like Jack right. Wade? Yeah. Well, Jack, what I like about Jack Wade as well is that he was the bad guy in The Living Daylights. Yeah. He was he was the guy, like, fighting um, Timothy But Darwin. was he Jack Wade then? No, he was, he was a different character. He was a different character, okay. He was quite, like, yeah, something, I can't remember what his name was now, but he was like, yeah, he was this uh, American general who was obsessed with, like, Napoleon and stuff. Yeah. And he had this fight with Timothy Dalton where he had, like, a machine gun with a um, a shield on it, like a bulletproof yeah. shield. But then he turns up in Goldeneye and Tomorrow Never Dies yeah. as this, like, CIA liaison. Weird. Very odd. But not as good as Felix Leiter. That's who they should... Felix Leiter is the classic Bond counterpart in the CIA. That's yeah. been in the movie, it's been in the books all the way through. It's been in the movies before and it's done really well in the Daniel Craig movies. Yeah. And he's also coming back for No Time to Die. Yeah, he's fucking great. It's so, Jeffrey. Jeffrey Wright. Um, so yeah, fucking bring that on. Anyway. Anyway. We'll wrap it up. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. See you next time. Bye. Really is death for breakfast. Sex for breakfast and dinner for murder. <laughs> Fucking at lunchtime. How's that no, for a punchline? No. <laughs> Leave it in. I'm not finished with it yet. Leave it in. Wiggle it. Wiggle it. <laughs> it smells a bit like poo now. <laughs> Because uh, everyone knows that's what the inside of your belly button smells like. It smells a bit like your poo. And now anyone who touches them diamonds knows what Halle Berry's poo smells a bit like. <laughs>